plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are locked on Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you can find anywhere. And a big show today as we will spend today previewing the key matchups for Sunday afternoon showdown between the Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys at Lambeau Field. On Friday, our Behind Enemy Lines podcast with Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and Locked On Cowboys. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app and to check out the rest of the great Lockdown Network, which includes Lockdown Cowboys, Lockdown NFL, and Lockdown Fantasy. We're going to be talking about Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, and special teams, but first it's first down, and that big-time matchup between Dallas's number one-ranked run offense and Green Bay's number one-ranked run defense. And for the Cowboys, it all starts with running back Ezekiel Elliott, the number four pick in this year's draft. During his last year at Ohio State, more than 1,800 yards, and then he goes to the Combine. And at 6 feet tall and 225 pounds, he runs a 4.47 in the 40. Yeah, you know, I, I remember the talk going into that draft. I mean, every, everybody knew Elliott was going to go in the first round. But, I mean, for, for years the talk was, you know, why, why take a running back in the first round when you can get a really good running back later in the draft? And running back is a dime a dozen position, and an expendable position, a position where you don't need to spend a whole lot of resources on either draft wise or financially because you can get production, you know, through spending relative peanuts. Well, I wonder if things are going to change here. Of course, Ellie with that size-speed combination is, is a bit of a freak, but he is off to an unbelievable start. We'll get into some of the numbers in a minute. Here is yesterday's conference call with Dallas coach Jason Garrett on, on drafting Elliott. The biggest thing we wanted to do was evaluate all the players as objectively as we could. When you're picking really throughout the draft, but certainly in the first round and high in the first round, you want to make sure you're not picking too much about need. You're picking about who the best players are. And we really felt he was as good of a player as there was in the draft. We felt like he could come in and contribute to our team, not only help our offense in our running game, but help our defense. Putting him behind the offensive line and being able to be a physical downhill running team that opens things up for the other skilled guys on offense and makes the quarterback's life better. It creates matchups for the other offensive players. But again, it can have a pervasive impact throughout your team, not only for your defense, but your special teams as well. And that's worked out well for us this year. Some really big-time numbers here for Elliott, who leads the NFL in rushing. He's rushed for 130 yards in each of the last three games. That's only been done two other times by a rookie in NFL history. That'd be Eric Dickerson and Mike Anderson. Now, talk about polar opposites there. Eric Dickerson, a former first-round pick. With the uh, Los Angeles Rams, I believe yeah, it was Los Angeles Rams back then. Then the other was Mike Anderson, and and that's kind of the the poster child for why you don't drift a running back in the first round. Because Mike Anderson was undrafted, if I recall, and and look at the production that he had. Um, only eleven, only ten other running backs. Never mind rookies. But only ten other running backs have ever gone over 134 straight games. 
So that's what Elliott is trying to do here. The all-time rookie rushing list through four through five games. Eric Dickerson, 645. Adrian Peterson, 607. Todd Gurley, 575. Billy Sims, 560. Ezekiel Elliott, 546. So number five all-time among rookies through five games. I think it was one thing pointing out here. You know, during his press conference on Wednesday, coach Packers coach Mike McCarthy pointed out that Elliott's a running back who gets better with carries. And, of course, I put that on Twitter at Packer Report is my Twitter handle if you care about that. You know, just kind of hitting on the uh, press conference highlights. And I got several responses saying, yeah, well, why don't the Packers do that with Lacey? It's a good question. And, you know, for, from Green Bay's perspective, it's let's keep Lacey fresh, let's, you know, for, for the long haul because, you know, speaking as, as I'm thinking Green Bay's thinking here, we're going to get to the playoffs. Let's have our big-time running back be at his best for, you know, December and January. Elliott is averaging 22 carries per game. That's on pace for 350. If you include the smattering of receptions he's got, he's, he's on pace for about 380 touches. Now, he is a big, strong guy. I don't know if he, I don't know if that's a sustainable pace though. I mean, he's still what 20, 21 years old. I, mean, I I don't know if that's the best thing for a running back is to to give him 20 some carries a game in September and early October. I mean, don't you want him at his best? For the games that count. So it's different philosophies. I really wanted to ask that to Garrett during our conference call yesterday, but we were out of time. We were told a couple more questions. We we're already at 15 minutes. Jason Garrett was great in the call, a lot of good information, but just flat out ran out of time to ask him. So, anyways, back to the Dallas running game. Elliott has been unbelievably good, averaging five yards a carry. It helps have a great offensive line, and, and both teams have great old lines. Dallas did it through the draft. Left tackle Tyron Smith, a first rounder in 2011. Right guard Zach, or it'd be center Travis Frederick, the Wisconsin native and Wisconsin star, first round in 2013. Then Zach Martin from Notre Dame, and the, the first round pick in 2014 is at right guard. That's three first round picks in that O line. And they're all Pro Bowlers. I mean, it's one thing to draft guys in the first round, it's nothing to get, to get hits. And Dallas went three for three. Drafting old linemen in, 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 in recent drafts, and, and it's a it's a great line. It is considered the best in the NFL, and it's going to be a big time challenge for the Packers. Um, you look, you know, the, the, they they faced Adrian Peterson, but they have not faced an old line really worth a darn this season. I mean, Jacksonville's old line. I mean, they, they were so bad that you know they 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 signed a below average left tackle. In free agency, so they can move uh, Luke Jokel there. Like, well, he's like the number what two or three pick a few years ago, so they can move him to left guard because he had been a bust at left tackle. So that's how bad they were. Minnesota's O line isn't very good either, and they just went on and signed uh, signed someone yesterday to, to bolster that group. And they're, so their their line's not very good either. I mean, they, Minnesota came in that game or came out of that game averaging about two yards a carry. So that that's not a good group. Um, Detroit's. Maybe in time will get good, but they, they got it's young and and uh, they got no running back either, so that's not good. And then then you look at last week's, you know, the Giants had an undrafted rookie running back um, starting at starting at running back because they're they're not, their top two guys were injured. So, well, they faced Adrian Peterson. They have not faced a great running game, an all around running game this season. So this would be a great test for the Packers, obviously. And the thing that struck me while watching the Packers, a lot of their run snaps on the 
NFL's All-22 film here yesterday, is how much penetration they've gotten. You know, Mike Daniels has lived on, lived in the other team's backfield. You know, Latroy Guyon is, is, is beating up on his guy. I mean, they've had undrafted rookies like Brian Price getting into the backfield. And the outside linebackers have been great. They've been so, you know, they, they're winning with, you know, Matthews wins with tenacity and athleticism. And, you know, Dayton Jones and Julius Peppers and Nick Perry, they, they, they win with, they're so much bigger. They, when, when they line up over a tight end, they're so much bigger. Where they manhandle the tight ends or, or they're at least a, a stalemate if they're going up against a tackle. So they've gotten a lot of penetration there to set up everything else for the for the linebackers to make plays. We'll see how they do against Dallas here. And they're not Dallas Alliance not gonna get pushed around like some of these guys the Packers have played. Look at I mean, look at here's what Nick Perry had to say before I get into the numbers. Numbers don't mean anything to me, Perry said. I'm sure it don't mean nothing to a lot of people in this room. We don't look at what they can do, we look at more what we can do and how they're gonna stop us. I mean, we're pretty confident in our ability to do what we do good. I'm just excited to get after them to move on and do a great job. Now, the numbers might not mean anything to Perry, but they are darn good through five, for, through five weeks in four games for the Packers case. But Green Bay's allowing 42.8 rushing yards per game. The Jets are second at 68.4. So that's an average of a difference of more than 25 yards per game. Green Bay averaging 1.99 per carry. The Jets are second at 2.97. So that's basically a full yard difference. That's, that is dominance. And I've had this stat for you yesterday, I'm pretty sure. Through four games, the Packers have allowed 171 rushing yards. That is the second fewest in the first four games of a season since um, Elias started keeping these numbers in 1933. And that would be the 1995 49ers allowed 157. And the Packers 1.99 per carry. According to my research at Pro Football Reference, is the best of the Super Bowl era and the best of merely 60 years. So that's how dominant. So this is this is dominance against dominance because Dallas's run offense is number one at more than 155 per game. That's right. Dallas with 155 per game. Green Bay 171 through four games. So something's going to have to give here, and probably it'll give on both sides. But the run defense obviously is key. So that leads us right into second down. And that'd be Dallas's rookie quarterback, Dak Prescott. And Prescott's been great. Through five games, he's at 69%. Four touchdowns, no picks. And a 101.5 passer rating. Zero interceptions are noteworthy. 155 attempts there. He needs to go seven more attempts to beat Tom Brady's NFL record for most consecutive passes to open a career with an interception. Brady went 161. I asked Prescott about that during our conference call. He said, a little bit of good fortune. There's been some balls where defenders had a chance at it, so some good fortune definitely. But mostly just my preparation. The plays the coach calls, that allows me to be comfortable and just give all these great playmakers around me a chance. Well, it helps to have the, the running game, obviously. I, you know, Just like when teams face Minnesota with Peterson, it was all hands on deck to stop Peterson. And look, I mean, look at the look at the Packers Vikings game. Green Bay's target was Peterson, and they shut him down. But all that single coverage on the secondary, and all of a sudden Sam Bradford has a big game to Stephon Diggs because you know it's it's one on one on the outside, and a, and a minimal amount of safety help because you're, you're probably going to have one safety down the box stopping Peterson in, in that case and Elliott in this case. So if you can stop Elliott. And maybe get some second and third longs. 
Now you're going to make Dak Prescott beat you. Now, uh, Garrett said the teams have been trying to do that anyway, and of course it hasn't worked because, because Elliott's just run through them. But let's see if Green Bay has some success here and, and see if Prescott actually has to go win a football game and see how he does. Um, you know, one, one thing that is worth noting, worth noting, he hasn't really pressed the ball down the field much. I mean, it's been a lot of the short passing game. Um, that's especially true without uh, Des Bryant. They're obviously the, the, they're all pro receiver. Now, Bryant practiced yesterday. He was limited participation. He's got a hairline fracture in his right knee. He did practice. Now, on Tuesday, Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, told reporters on there that they were not going to rush Bryant back. So I'm going to assume that Bryant's not going to play. If he does, it changes the dynamic of things. With, without Bryant, um, Prescott's gone, basically gone to the middle of the field. Uh, Cole Beasley, their, their slot guy, He's number one. He's our number one receiver. Twenty-seven catches, three hundred and thirty-two yards. Two noteworthy numbers here. He leads the NFL in third-down catches, turning the first downs, and his eighty-one point eight percent catch rate is the third best among wide receivers. The other uh, key target, one thousand-year-old tight end Jason Witten. That guy's unbelievable. He is. He's aged, just going into his fourteenth year. I think he's thirty-six. 24 catches, 232 yards. So that's that's a combined 51 catches, basically over the middle. And that's where he's done a lot of his work. And with so much work over the middle that it's freed up Terrence Williams, their their low another, uh, you know, basically their big play receiver. He's got 16 of 19 for 84.2%. That's number one in the NFL. I mean, that, that's what happens when it's single coverage on the outside and there's so much of a focus on the running game and the over-the-middle passing game. Green Bay's DBs, at Wednesday's practice, Sam Shields not there. Demarius Randall, when we got to watch practice, we got to watch practice for about 30 minutes. He watched it from a knee. I mean, there's a lot of the jog-through stuff where, they, where they're jogging through the opponent plays. He didn't even take part in that. Um, back to Shields for a minute. Uh, before Wednesday's practice, Coach Mike McCarthy said that Shields was in meetings. Now, that is a, a step forward in the protocol because if you don't cross a certain threshold, you're not, you're not allowed to do that. So it's a step forward there for him. Again, he didn't practice. And he, I would think he's not going to play. Now, if Bryant was going to play, there might be a different conversation. Maybe, again, maybe he's not even out of the protocol. I don't know. But I wouldn't think they'd play him. I mean, Dallas is a, a run-first physical attack. If I was Green Bay, I might be inclined to save Shields here for another week. The saving grace here for the secondary has been Ladarius Gunter. Randall was a first-round pick. Quinton Rollins a second-round pick. Shields is their money man. But without Guntrap, these guys would be up a creek. He is uh, obviously went undrafted a couple years ago because for all of his size at 6'1 and his length, he he ran 4'6-something in the the 40. And he had a a terrible vertical. I mean, he was the, of the corner prospects in that draft, he was the worst athletic guy there at the Combine. But it's been good. I asked McCarthy about him yesterday. McCarthy says, quote, he's made the jump. Hard worker, great work ethic, tough guy. But he really dove into the details of the fundamentals and the technique. I think he does an excellent job of taking the game plan to the practice field and carrying it over to Sundays. That's one thing that really jumps off of the film, particularly to me. It's been nice to see, not only for him personally to make the progress, but he does a really good job of staying disciplined in the the specifics on the game plan. One other passing game note here, that would be the Green Bay's pass rush again. 
It'd certainly be helpful if they can stop Elliott here because it's a lot easier to rush the passer and, and do some of the things that some of the things that D corner Dom Capers likes to do if it's third and six. Because you can't really blitz on third and two, can you? Because you're you're afraid Elliott's gonna go gas you. So the uh, I, I think you know stopping Elliott is is gonna be key here. Five games, Prescott's been sacked seven times. Obviously, that old great old line, that's about what you'd expect, right? Not that I mentioned, he's about a 230-pound guy, too, and pretty athletic. So he is a tough guy to get down on top of all that. Green Bay's pass rush, 14 sacks in four games. Based on sack rate, uh, they've had a sack on 9.6% of, of opponent dropbacks. That is the sixth best in the NFL. And the aforementioned Nick Perry, four and a half sacks, leads the team. Already a career high. I mean, Perry's been a good player. Injury's obviously been an issue for him, but in four games, he's already got his career high in sacks at four and a half. So that's going to be that's going to be a key matchup there. Can Green Bay actually get after Prescott and make him a little bit more uncomfortable than he's been thus far? This segment of Lockdown Packers is brought to you by PackerReport.com, home of the world's best preview, the post-game numbers piece, and a lot of content you won't find anywhere else, including a lot of X's and O's stuff. And Packer Report members... Receive 10% discounts on tickets through Ticketmonster and 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics. You want to become a Packer Report member? Sign up today, take the one-month option, then type in the code PACKREPORT21. That is PACKREPORT21. You buy one month, and I'll buy the second month for you. And if your business would like to speak directly to Packer fans, you really should be sponsoring this podcast. We have great rates and a growing listenership. Email me for all the details at packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. Once again, packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. On a third down, and that'd be the Packers' passing attack, or really a lack of passing attack. Let's go back to the end of the 2014 season, shall we? Remember that year? That was Tony Romo against Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Well, obviously, Tony Romo's not playing with that uh, broken bonus back in. That Aaron Rodgers has not been playing. Look where, at the end of the 2014 season, this is where he ranked that year. Obviously, he wins the MVP. Number one, excuse me, he was number two in pass rating. Tony Romo was number one. Rodgers number two in pass rating at 112.2. This year, 19th, 87.7. That's a 25-point difference. 2014, number one in interception percentage at 1.0. This year, 18th, 2.2%. 2014, Number two in yards per attempt at 8.43. This year, 28th, 6.30 yards per attempt. And 2014, he was number nine in accuracy at 65.6%. This year, 31st and last among qualifying quarterbacks with enough attempts at 56.1%. So again, that is a 25-point difference in passer rating. One point, or excuse me, 2.1 yards per attempt and 9.5% on accuracy. It's unbelievable. Um, on Wednesday, Coach Mike McCarthy said they're going to have more meeting time as a, as a passing attack, saying so you get what you emphasize. And a lot of the emphasis has been on the running attack, which has been great. And if you're emphasizing the running attack, then you're also emphasizing the run defense, and that has been great. So there's been more of an emphasis this week on the passing attack to get that up to speed. As McCarthy said yesterday about the uh, state of the passing game, it's usually one or two or three plays that can define your overall performance or the perception of the performance. I thought perception was a key word there. 
So we're in tune with that. We understand it. It's a group of men that really operate with a lot of accountability. Definitely do it, excuse me, they do it publicly, and I know they do it privately. So this is a process. This is a long year. We've done some good things throughout our football team, but we're well aware of not only why we're doing things, but how we're doing things and what we need to do to get better. Now, yes, you know, that's why McCarthy's perception, a great line here. And yesterday I talked about a few plays, the two drops by Jordy Nelson and the one by Richard Rodgers. Then I somehow screwed up the scoring on this. I, was just, I listened to the podcast yesterday and think, how in the hell did I screw this up? Because I gave the Packers a field goal on a driver. They got an interception. Now, that's, that is some unusual scoring that I, <laughs> that I gave them. So let's go over this real quickly here again so I can clean up yesterday's mistake. Big dummy, right? The first Nelson drop turned to an interception. He dropped that pass from the 10. So that's either three points there. Maybe they get seven, but they're going to get three at least. The Richard Rodgers drop in the fourth quarter was in the end zone, so that's seven points. So right there, those two drops, it's either a 10 or 14 point swing. And suddenly Green Bay finishes instead of with 23. They have 33 or 37. So they got no points there. The second Jordy Nelson drop midway through the third quarter, they eliminated a big play. They're at least in midfield on that one. Instead, it ends up being a three-down punt. So let's just say they get a field goal on that drive. And then, you know, best case scenario, they get touchdowns in those other ones. Now they've got 40. And if they have 40 points, we're not talking about this. But instead, they get 23 points. And we're talking to McCarthy. And he gets aggravated because they're asking questions about an offense that turned up 400 yards. Which was an odd thing to say. I remember him a couple weeks ago probably about a month ago now, saying that their goal wasn't to lead the league in scoring. And he had some other goals in mind on offense. So then yesterday he talks about they get 400 yards. Well, who cares about the yards? It, you know, points are what matter here, right? Well, either way, you know, it, the, those missed opportunities were big. And and, and Rodgers agreed with this. He says, yeah, 100%. He says, 100%. Yeah, of course. It changes momentum. It changes the flow. Talking about that Nelson, the first one. He goes, we don't turn the ball over there. It's up by two scores. It probably changes a lot of things. That's the game. It's one or two plays here or there that if they'd gone our way, if we had executed better, that would have looked a lot better on paper and actually live as well. And, you know, those, those Nelson drops, he's, you know, he's, Rogers has asked about those, and, and I thought it's an interesting quote here. I said it after the game. I'm not worried about that at all. Those things happen. I missed some passes. Those guys shouldn't be worried about me either. We're going to get better. We're not going to have inconsistent performances like that. This is obviously a big week to get this going. Dallas' secondary is really good. You know, they're, they're cornerbacks. One is Morris Claiborne, a first-round pick a few years ago. He was borderline bust. He, I think he started a total of like eight or nine games in 2013 and 14. Ends up breaking into it, becoming a full-time starter last year. And this year, he's been really good. Leads the uh, cornerback group and passes defense for seven. But him and, and Brandon Carr, the other corner, they held the Bengals' A.J. Green, an elite receiver, to four catches for 50 yards. And, and Dallas's blowout win last week. So Dallas is good at, is good at corner. And they're really good at safety, too. Uh, Barry Church, more of a box defender. He's put up a lot of tackles against the Packers. Not really a great pass defender, but a really good run player. And then the other safety is Byron Jones, their first-round pick last year. I mean, he was a great, he was like I mentioned for the Packers as their first-round option. 
Uh, Jones played corner at UConn, and there was some question whether he could play corner in the NFL. Well, he's playing safety for the Cowboys. He lit up the 15 combine. Um, ran super fast, jumped super high. If I recall right, his broad, I think it was his broad jump, was good enough to qualify for the Olympics. So that, that's how good he was athletically. And he, he's really shown up. He leads the team and passes defense. A, a six foot one, 200 and some pound guy. He's a, an excellent young prospect. So their, their secondary is good. Not much of a pass rush. They, they do get Demarcus Lawrence back. He was a four game suspension. He's back. Didn't play a whole lot against the Bengals. Did have a few pressures in that game to make his impact felt when I was watching that game. So could be a big challenge for a Packers offense, a Packers passing attack that's done next to nothing for most of this year to get on track against the Cowboys. And, you know, you, you figure Dallas is going to get some stuff done in the run game. They're probably going to score a good number of points. It's going to be up to Aaron Rodgers in this passing game to figure out a pretty darn good Cowboys defense on Sunday. Look, look, Dallas is number eight in scoring. It's funny. You look at their, their yards per rushing attempts, not good. The yards per passing attempts, not good. You know, they don't, they don't sack the quarterback. They're not a big turnover team. They're not good on third down. They're eighth in scoring. It's a, it's the, it's a, kind of reminds, reminds me of their four, 2014 team. They were the, 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 uh, the no-name defense or some uh, cliche name they gave themselves where they, they weren't good at anything, really, but they kept teams off the scoreboard. And it's kind of what where this defense is, and Green Bay's going to have to solve that riddle to win this game on Sunday. That takes us to fourth down, and that'll be a real quick look at the, the third phase, as they call it in Chicago. That would be the special teams. Green Bay's got their hands full here, people. And I, I, took the, I took the rankings. I do something called the Packer Report Special Teams Rankings. And I take net punting and opponent net punting. So I don't care about what your punter kicks the ball. The only thing that matters is the field position exchange. So I, I take net punting for and against and starting field position on kickoffs for and against. And then field goal percentage. And I add up those rankings to come up with a number. Well, I didn't do it league-wide, but here we go. Dallas's net punt is 16. Dallas's, oppo- Dallas's on, on net, opponent net punts slash their punt return unit. They're eighth. Um, they are fifth and starting field position on kickoff returns and eighth in kickoff coverage. That is a combined ranking of... Uh, that's a combined point total, excuse me, of 35. Excuse me, 37. Green Bay in those numbers, their, their net punt is 22nd. Their opponent net punting, which is their punt return unit, is 26th. Their kickoff return is 7th. And that's a lot of that's that Ty Montgomery sideline play. And then their kickoff coverage is 28th. That's a, that's a gigantic discrepancy there. So that gives them, in that total, it gives them, Green Bay has 83 points compared to the 37 for Dallas. So that, that's a, a big discrepancy there. And Green Bay's going to have to somehow mitigate those issues there. Um, a kicker, both kickers are tremendous. Uh, Dan Bailey of Dallas battling a sore back. He's, he was full participation this week. I assume that means he's getting better. He's 8 for 10 this year. The two misses, he missed two kicks all of last year where he was number two in the league in, in field goal percentage. So he's a good kicker, obviously, one of the best. Long of 56 this, year, 56 this year. Mason Crosby is 7 for 7. One of, I believe, six kickers in the NFL who have gone 100%. Um, Dallas's kick returner is Lucky Whitehead. He hasn't done much either punt or kickoff return. Last year he had an 85-yard kickoff return. So he's got some, there's a little bit of big play potential there. And as I showed you with my, 
my rankings there, Green Bay's return unit has been terrible. I mean, Trevor Davis hasn't done anything on punt returns, and he replaced Micah Hyde. Most because Hyde is playing so much defense, he can't really do both. But Davis hasn't done anything. Um, the kickoff return unit was terrible last week. Although Montgomery and Janice at least give you some hope. I remember back in 2015, there were six kickoff returners in the entire league who averaged 29 yards. Janice and Montgomery were two of them. So the potential is there to get that unit going. They just got to get going. And one final special teams note is Dimitri Goodson is back from his suspension. And finally, the Packers special teams is full strength. And we've gone over this in the past. Their core special teams guys last year, J. Ron Elliott, Chris Banjo, Jeff Janis, Dimitri Goodson. You know, Banjo and Elliott missed the first two games. Um, Janis played with one hand for the first three games. And Goodson was suspended for the first four games. So you get all these guys back. These are your core guys, your veteran guys. The hope here is it should make a difference for the special teams going forward. Because right now that unit is not good. And it's taken a big step backward from where they were last year where they were pretty gosh darn good. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to check out the rest of the great Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Fantasy, Locked On NFL, and Locked On Cowboys with Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Now I'll be talking to Drew for tomorrow's Behind Enemy Lines segment. Have a great day, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you Bye, a wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.